everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's another week done, and so another week uh, ready here at the show. Uh, this is Radio Gripe. I'm one half of your host. My name is Joe. I am the other half. I'm Jen. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a nice week, huh? It's been a week, for sure. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, not sure where to start. Yeah, I was just out walking the dog, and uh, I'm hearing beautiful music floating through the air. Uh, they're doing a show over at the old high school. Oh, yeah. And the dog really wanted to go, but... She's a big fan of live music. This is what I'm doing instead. It is Saturday night, and I'm sitting here with you all. I have a glass of Maker's Mark and a uh, pizza on the way. Yeah, doing and, that. Uh, we've got sh- we we've got a subscription to Shutter, the yeah, yeah. horror movie platform, and we're gonna be probably probably watching some eighties horror later. Probably. You know, I was really wanting to get into uh, that jam on Netflix, Sweet Home. Uh, was seeing the trailers for it. It looks wild. Uh, looks like a wild fucking ride. But right around that same time, we just kind of transitioned. We still have Netflix, but we're not using it. We're just uh, on that shutter tip right now. Yeah, definitely. We just watched House and House (laughs) 2, The Second Story. (laughs) Classics. Uh, I love it. It was great. Oh, I preceded those movies. Hold on. Who's the Italian horror director who's not Dario Argento? Um. Uh, yes, it is Fulci. Lucio Fulci. Uh, a couple of his movies back to back in a row that I think are all part of a trilogy. Uh, he does some really fun practical effects. Uh, I have yet to watch the other movie in the trilogy that I believe involves just several pounds of maggots and a yeah. fan. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of, you know, uh, ma- maggots and... Um, you know, probably mealworms yeah. too going on. There was uh, a scene that made me a little physically sick. Actually, yeah, we're not going to watch any Fulci movies I while was, we're eating pizza. I'm wondering Certainly if, uh, not while you're eating spaghetti uh, or anything like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you'll have a Lost Boys moment, uh, not in a good way. Um, I was wondering if I recognized that name, and I think so. I don't think I've seen his movies, but I'm, I'm aware of him uh, and some of the stuff he was doing as a as an as an outsider, you know, back when and exploitation was big and well, know. yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, there was actually a rivalry between Fulci and Dario Argento, mm-hmm. who uh, Dario Argento has always been considered to be, um, you know, more of an an artistic. He's an auteur. An, an auteur. He is a uh, you know a valid uh, artist. And <laughs> Fulci was considered to be it. more schlocky right. and never super respected, mm-hmm. uh, even in Italy. So I guess a rivalry. There was more like just bitterness, I guess, mm. on the part of uh, uh, Lucio Fulci. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But I think I heard a story that uh, Dario Argento paid for Fulci's funeral after he died Um happened here another interesting story i always take a deep dive with a director once i become really interested in his work and just try to find out a little more stuff but working with maggots on set as he often did this is um, gonna be bad isn't it the cast had placed some maggots in his smoking tobacco 
mm-hmm. and uh, like his pipe tobacco, and he, you know, smoked some smoked some maggots uh, before noticing that you know he was kind of squirming around. Okay. And um, he later said that he blamed that for uh, a pulmonary illness that he developed uh, later in life. Whoa. Um, he ended up having a uh, bacterial infection in his lungs. Oh, fuck. Um, I, I don't know if that's fair to blame, like, two maggots for that <laughs> when you're a lifelong smoker and drinker right, right, whose right. organs are slowly shutting down. But Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. I imagine it was all in good fun. All in good, oh yeah, all in good maggot it was fun. it was all in good fun. Probably smoking maggots is not the safest way to consume them, though. Uh. <laughs> you don't want to smoke them. You don't want to inject them. You don't want to mainline them. Just make a nice uh, maggot tea I, and enjoy it that way. I would advise against insufflation, uh, you know, or butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first one? Insufflation uh, through the nose. Oh wow! No. Well, there's your vocab word for the day, if you're anything like me. There you go. Check that Thanks, one off the list. Joe. So, yeah, before we get super into it, um, let me say, in addition to, hey, thanks for listening, we're part of KBSR. KBSR is fully independent, and they're super awesome. You can go check out the Patreon, but also check out all the other shows, and know that this show is not those shows. Uh, the thoughts and opinions that we express here are our own, and don't reflect anybody else on KBSR. Although you might hear some of those other people coming up uh, before long. We're going to start doing some cross interviews with some of the other people on the network and talking about their shows and bring them on to talk about what we do. And uh, it's going to be tons of fun. Well, I guess without further ado. Joe, where do we start? We got we got some canceled men to talk about today. Uh, oh, we yeah. Talk about the vaccine rollout. I got some vaccine stuff, and then I, I figured I had some good stuff for uh, some palate cleansing maybe at the end. Oh, good. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and um, and let's talk about some canceled men. This is this is not the meat of the matter. This is, a, this is, this is a nice kind of like salty, fun thing. Joe, I think we both have uh, an abuser to bring to the t- – I'm sorry. We both have an alleged abuser to bring to the, the table. Oh, um, uh-huh. You're going to put that on me? Okay. Do you want to start? Do you want to start with your guy? <laughs> Cliff Clavin. Uh, John oh, Ratzenberger. I didn't no. know we were going there. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I don't know anything about uh, John Ratzenberger's real life, but he was in House 2, and that was a really great cameo he did. So, uh, Marilyn Manson. Hey, I'm so sorry. I have to do this. <laughs> the movie we saw last night uh, was... Um, Phantasm. It's a whole fucking franchise. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. And uh, there might even be one more movie before this is all over. Oh, uh, really? Obviously, the wonderful actor who plays the uh, the tall man. Angus uh, Scrim. He has uh, shuffled off his mortal coil. Mm. Uh, may he rest in peace. Um, but yeah, all the other actors are, are still have been con- continuing to participate in the huh. uh, Phantasm franchise. And I want to go through all five of these fucking movies. Yes. I know that I had seen a couple of them when I was a teenager. Uh, My friend was really into them, but mostly what I remembered from my, you know, marijuana-addled teenage brain was uh, Shiny Murder Ball. Yeah, so that came to him, the director, in a dream, uh, the the Murder Ball. And uh, yeah, just David Lynch-like. He Mm -hmm. just kind of scripted out, and that's partly why Phantasm 
feels like like a dream it like seems to follow dream logic and it's cut so weirdly that you know oh and then of course well spoilers turns out it is a dream unless unless (laughs) yeah um yeah there could be a phantasm wait was there phantasm six there's talk of a phantasm six there could be a phantasm nine for all we know that's that don don coscarelli uh i'm trying to think of oh yeah he did beastmaster Oh shit! Yeah, okay. so this was kind of his first foray uh, into horror because I think he'd already done Beastmaster by and the time he did this. I don't know. Beastmaster's got some, it's got some dark moments in it, but I mean it's fantasy. Admittedly, it's not horror. Well, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I still remember those yeah. awful creatures that yeah. wrap you up in their leathery. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that shit is great. wings. Yeah, and then turn you into pulp. Fucking so goo. it's just bones yeah. and goo that fall out yeah. oh that terrified me when i was a kid are you kidding love it and that was actually some really great uh costume and set work too for oh that my god part. oh fuck yeah we gotta watch these we ones. have to I'm so sorry for that derailment. Uh, derailment. Um, no, that's fine. Did I've... I just hear you say the words Marilyn and Manson? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, them's the words, um, which uh, I forget. What's her name? Uh, Amy Everhart? You're Evan... speaking of the victim? Evan, Evan... Rachel Wood? Rachel... Star, star of Westwood, uh, Westworld? So Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel Wood. Evan. I knew there was an Evan in there. So yeah, Evan Rachel Wood uh, had uh, come out recently with... Uh, you know, shedding some light on some of her experiences uh, with Marilyn Manson and a few other people. Uh, I think, uh, what, what's her name? Dita Von Teese, who was shortly married to him, has well, also come out Dita over Va- the last week or no, so. No, Dita Von Teese. So, yeah, several, several of the ex-girlfriends of Marilyn Manson mm-hmm. have come out to support Evan Rachel Wood and say, I also had these you know, really abusive, this really abusive relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I exited this relationship feeling traumatized and his most recent wife, uh, Dita Von came out and said, 
I did not experience uh, an abusive relationship um, that that has been described uh, with Marilyn Manson. Um, we divorced over his drug abuse and infidelity, and not and not for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he was with Rose McGowan for a little while. She obviously came out in support uh, of uh, all the all the the accusers. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the uh, alleged victims. See, it's, it sounds shitty when you say it. It, does, it sounds <laughs> shitty. Listen, I don't. No, it's, it's how I is this not uh, believable? I mean, no, it is right. The reason I say alleged a little scornfully is because I. It's so believable. Are you fucking kidding? Right? Yeah, yeah, it's fucking Marilyn Manson, dude. <laughs> like, some of the best, some of the best moments have been uh, like articles from The Onion or. Uh, uh, reductress, you know, or hard times or whatever. Saying, um, "I finally see eye to eye with my mom on Marilyn Manson." Oof. You know, <laughs> yeah, he was not some kind of iconoclast that represented some kind of shift from you know the old generations that are uh, sexist and bigoted and you know with a fratty kind of mentality. Like that, that did not occur with Marilyn Manson, and. I liked him when I was a kid. Sure. I still, as as recently as last year, would put some on on purpose uh, for some, some type of nostalgia. You know, I got to be honest. Um, I thought that him being endorsed by Trent Reznor, though, uh, which he seemed to come out of nowhere. Trent Reznor has disavowed him over and this shit, too. I thought, you know, Trent Reznor, I, I just really like the guy. Mm-hmm. I trust him. I feel like he's a stand-up guy, and he's brought me this band, hey, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a chance. The 90s was a weird time. And it's it was like some kind of fun, uh, what do you call like like Alice Cooper esque? Um, yeah. Oh, those first those, you know, those first years satanic of- like hair hair metal type of stuff that I really uh, thought was like a whole lot of fun. Those it, first few years of Marilyn Manson were a lot of fun. It seemed to take itself a little seriously, but that it was the nineties. Um, yeah, <laughs> we all did. What are you gonna do? But yeah, at some point, I think my mom bought his. A memoir uh, mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, this was probably 1999, A Long, a long Hard Road Out of Hell. Or maybe it was some book that preceded that. I honestly don't know. Um, and she sort of tossed it at me and was like, hey, you like this guy, right? And I don't know if she had read it. I skimmed it and was like, man, what a piece of shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> this guy's a it real belongs, fucking piece of shit. Admittedly, it does belong on the shelf next to uh, that book, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell by... Uh, Tucker Max, the the total shit bag of the aughts. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just a lot of kind of like sexist, indulgent. Uh, it's the kind of shit like the biggest rock star, you know, piece mm-hmm. of crap would brag about on tour. And actually, part of the uh, the link with Trent Reznor was there. I think there was a passage where he talks about him and Trent on tour sexually assaulting a, like a passed out woman and then like setting her pubic hair on fire or something like that and like giggling and running away. I don't, I, I don't recall reading this passage, but there's been some talk about it online. I heard that he uh, killed a puppy on stage. Trent Reznor and ate it. came out that. Yeah. I hope that's <laughs> not true. Uh, Trent Reznor came out and, and said that, that that was a, a fabrication, a lie. Yeah. He had no part in any kind of yeah. bullshit that uh, Marilyn Manson and his whole band were up to when they were on tour. Yeah. 
um, allegations have been sure. made about, about these guys in the past from their female. Uh, oh yeah, I um, remember. Um, not so long ago, you know, t- tour mates. Uh, well, yeah, not so long you know, ago, band members. The uh, lead singer from Jackoff Jill, who was right. a, a prominent band from Fort Lauderdale uh, at the time, yeah, had some shit to say about sharing the stage and sharing tours with them, and not yeah. not just uh, Manson himself, but also. Uh, What's his name? Twiggy Ramirez. It was Twiggy Ramirez, I think. Yeah, the bassist. And uh, yeah, and she was calling out. There was some guy that was a guitarist for the band, I guess, over I don't know the last five to ten years. Not part of the original lineup. Who, in light of this, is also coming out and saying, "Oh, all of this is true. It's absolutely." He's one of the most like toxic, abusive people I've ever met and worked with. Evan Rachel Wood has said that he was grooming her uh, from the time that she was a teenager. And, of course, they were pub- publicly dating when she was, like, 19 or 20, and mm-hmm. he was 32, um, which is, you know, already a red flag. And he, he himself has said in interviews, um, you know, publicly that he, um, you know, would call her hundreds of times a day, and that he fantasized about, you know, crushing her skull, and, you know, I guess they had a bad breakup, too, but... Uh, yeah, huge, huge power imbalance there between the two of them, her being, uh, you know, young woman, not much more than a teenager, or I guess she was a teenager when they started this whole thing and a big fan. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, he was super controlling and I guess, because she's Jewish as well. Um, there were a lot of racial slurs thrown around. Serious? Um, yeah. Like, he would refer to like, her derisively figured... as a Jew and say because her mom converted to Judaism, she's not a full-blooded Jew, and that makes it better. You know, um, I always figured... He would, oh, he uh, she alleged that he would draw swastikas on her night table when he was mad at her and leave them for her to find. Okay, now that's the shit that anything else that I've heard about him so far, I'm not surprised by. Uh, but this is the thing that I and that like, the N word was flying coming. fast and loose in right. those circles too. I, I wouldn't see that coming, and uh, also that's that's an that's another level of detestable, mm. you know. Uh, yeah, it's pretty gross. Not not saying I'll overlook the first part. Well, I'm done talking with that, talking about that asshole. Uh, who who you bring to the table? Well, Army Hammer, not somebody that I'm super familiar with. Uh, I Same. saw I saw him in the um, Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, yeah. He was the the he was the CEO. He was or whatever, the CEO right? douchebag, yeah. and sorry to bother you. Yeah, um, did a pretty good job at that. That was a great movie all around. Yeah. Uh, just like being like a like a friendly guy who's like secretly a sadist. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, but it's also is like maybe he's just on coke. <laughs> so Army Hammer's a guy who's been secretly a sadist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, presenting. A- Here's the thing, too. I'm not trying to kink shame. You know what? Controversial opinion. Mm-hmm. And I'm only halfway there, so anybody feel feel free to hit us up and talk me out of this controversial opinion. We're trying show at gmail.com. It's probably maybe if you are a man that has uh, rape rape fantasies, fantasies about crushing and hurting women and and sexual fantasies about killing and eating women. Uh, and Crush maybe porn. maybe yeah. you're an actual psychopath. You're not, you're not necessarily a danger to society, hmm. as long as you can find a safe outlet for those fantasies, and that you can act them out in a playful way with a consenting person, sure. yeah, um, who has full full consent, and you have a good, respectful relationship with that person. 
it is maybe possible to to have these kind of kinks and for for you not to be a menace <laughs> to women. Yeah, I mean that's and society at large. Yeah. Um, but but the allegations coming from some of the women that have been subjected to uh, that have come out and said they were subjected to Army Hammer's abuse were they have complicated and sort of life-shattering feelings about it uh allegedly uh, yeah so no not not um a positive experience right for for these women and um yeah like he's denying it he's but and, and uh, technically you know these uh screenshots of like dms and stuff uh where he's you know says yeah i want to i want to own you i want to um oh yeah she alleges that he was genuinely trying to get her to have her lower ribs surgically removed so that he could barbecue them and eat them um saying yeah uh, i'm an actual cannibal (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like that that still does sound like something uh bad somebody would say in a dm just like I'm an actual cannibal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. Speaking of canceled, abusive men that got canceled, Shia LaBeouf. Holy shit. We're drowning in them right now. This isn't the first time. Like, I mean, dude's been a registered asshole for years. Yeah, he's been on that registry. Card-carrying asshole. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, not surprised at all to hear what, uh, what was it? FKA Twigs. Oh yeah, no FK Twigs. Yeah, uh, was was the one that came out more recently oh, with details about their it, relationship. That broke my heart because yeah, she's I fucking great. love her so much. I think she's so incredibly talented. She is a songstress. She is a choreographer. She has, um, you know, written and directed these incredible musical videos that showcase her talents. Um, and she was dating Mike Patton. Wait, Robert Robert Pattinson for a long time, uh, better known as Dude from Edward Twilight. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the Lighthouse, and uh, yeah, no, yeah. he's great in the Lighthouse. Listen, yeah, yeah. I like the guy. Um, he seems like a decent man, and uh, you know, uh, just if anything, like a bland dude. Like a pr- no, but like he did a good job. Like uh, I, I don't think he wanted to be typecast as as, Ed, oh, yeah. as Edward from sure. Twilight. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. How's it ever? Um, she had to put up with a lot of abuse because she's dating this like tween idol, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, she's a woman of color, and it's like you know, she's a weirdo. She's a Brit. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "Who the fuck is she?" And mm-hmm. um, probably had to put up with a lot of racism and shit too uh, during her time with uh, Robert Pattinson. But yeah, then went on, I guess, to date Shia LaBeouf, and it was just a fucking nightmare for yeah, her. Bad he choice. controlled, you know, super like crazy, controlling, it's drunk like, and on drugs the whole he, time. He, was this the one where he was saying like, "Don't look other men in the Don't eye." Don't look other men in the eye. Yeah, shit like that. Yeah. Well, hey man, the hits will keep coming we, and uh, fucking I mean, bring them. Yeah. People are dissecting a lot of some of the the wholesome Army Hammer media. Like he went on Stephen Colbert, uh, who surprised him with a piece of rope and said, I heard you're really into knots if you want to show us some knots. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, knots, you know, they're just they're just interesting. That's all. But Uh obviously 
he's come out and liked, you know, bondage forms and stuff like that too. And, you know, all his, his old Instagram pictures of like, you know, big pieces of meat or, um, he talked about accidentally ordering raw steak in Italy and then eating it because he was too embarrassed not to, to not eat the raw meat or something. How do you accidentally just order raw meat? He anyway. Said, he said his Italian was just bad and he just, yeah, but. Okay. <laughs> sure. Look hey, at, my Italian ain't great. I'm not trying to shame anyone's like BDSM kinks or, or any like consensual rape play sure, sure. sort of things. But what's been alleged, if you if you take all that salacious shit out, really what's been alleged at these at these men is straight up emotional, physical, you know, long term abuse and and grooming of partners and gaslighting of, of their partners. There there is a, a, a a clear victim of this and there is an objectification to reduce their humanity and turn mm-hmm. them into not just an ideal or a character, but literally something which is like not represented as human, uh, something that is either a raw piece of meat or some type of automaton. Um, yeah. And, yeah. He- and hearing the, the anguish uh, of these women's stories um, and how difficult it's been for them to, to get over this type of abuse. Yeah, it breaks my fucking heart. So. I've been watching the vaccine roll out with great interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of hoping to be part of 1A because of health conditions. But at the same time, I haven't even tried to sign up because I'm hearing that so many people who are, you know, probably more vulnerable than me 
are um, not able to obtain the vaccine. And I know here in Williamson County, uh, we have received um, a few thousand doses already. And I think over 6,000 people have been vaccinated already. Mm -hmm. But there's a wait list that goes through March. Oh, I'm sure. uh, Already. Yeah. And um, all you keep hearing about in the media, or at least last week, all you kept hearing was like, um, we have to do more outreach to convince people that they should take the vaccine. And I'm like, yeah, we don't need to worry about that right now because there's more people that want the vaccine than can get it. So let's start there. Yeah. The problem of, you know, marketing the vaccine to people will probably take care of itself when more and more people become vaccinated and and is proven you know, safe to skeptics. Um, Obviously there needs to be some outreach to communities that have uh, the most vulnerable people. Like you're going to, you're going to need to have a bilingual trans, you know, translator on site. You're going to have to reach out to old people who are not internet savvy so that they're able to sign up. There needs to be uh, resources allocated to that for sure. You're absolutely right. And but when I hear you say it, I just kind of imagine what the conservative take, like on conservative media, Fox News and your OAN and everything, they were, they've already talked about how the Democrats are putting out this slick, like produced, uh, marketed rollout. Don't trust it. It's it's a money thing. And I, I feel like any other so, amount okay. Of, in the meantime, oh. you have you have forces that are actively trying to counter uh, people this yes. smooth uh, yeah. process of people getting vaccinated because no, they're targeting the elderly, because well, no. specifically elderly white people that watch Fox News. Yeah, you got your you got your fucking vaccine truthers out there uh, who are like actively seeking to undo any kind of progress that the nation is attempting to make. But straight up, Sean Hannity was like, well. I don't trust the vaccine and Carlson too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, maybe they should have named it the, you know, the the Trump. Yeah. Although maybe they should have named it the Dolly. Um, I think that would be pretty dope. Did you get your Dolly yet? (laughs) (laughs) They gave me a lolly with my Dolly. Aww. (laughs) But yeah, no, that's one of the things that was I kind of wanted to talk about just because I, I felt like there was an opportunity here to to have a sort of united global effort to both pr- produce uh, and distribute a vaccine that wasn't going to be this big capitalist enterprise because this you know public this is an emergency and public health is at stake. Right. Um, that you know seems to have been a missed opportunity. So far, only one of the world's 29 poorest uh, countries has even started to um, purchase the vaccine and receive Mm -hmm. it. I think it's Ghana or something. Right. And right now they're slated to have vaccinated maybe one in a thousand people uh, before the end of the year, like based on current trends. And they're getting... That's that's still really fucking low. And they have no access to the most effective vaccines that have been approved as well. There, there's been a couple other vaccines that are less, that are less effective, um, but they're still going to greatly reduce your uh, chances of having to go to the ICU and maybe die if you do get COVID. Yeah. So the thing, 
the thing too about the Moderna vaccine, um, you know, one of the two vaccines that's there's the Moderna and the Pfizer that have been approved here in the U.S. Right, right. I think the Pfizer has some benefits over the Moderna because it doesn't need to be kept in like sub-zero temperatures or something. Um, incorrect on that. From okay. what I hear, the the Moderna has less side effects and and complications kind of associated okay. with it. The Pfizer might be more. It might be in higher production or more attainable, I, I think is basically it. Well, let's talk about production because there needs to be a lot of it. And um, you know, if you talk to if you talk to people that are more knowledgeable about this kind of thing, they'll say like, oh, it's a really complicated process. Everything has to be just right. Conditions have to be just right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the uh, the Moderna is the mRNA like situation i probably shouldn't even bring it up because i don't know that much about it but it's a, a, a tricky little thing we do every week here <laughs> it's it's an interesting um process but but also every single year we produce thousands like mil- millions of flu vaccines and yeah. uh get them out and uh so it's interesting we've seen this coming for so long and we're not but, but i say we when the truth is it's it's Pfizer or it's Moderna or whatever right. um, are solely responsible for the production of these vaccines. And what, what I think is interesting. So right now, there's not even enough to go around in rich countries, uh, although they're working on it, um, let alone poor countries. There was a proposal put forward by India and South Africa last October uh, calls on the <clears throat> WTO to exempt member countries from enforcing some patents, trade secrets, or pharmaceutical monopolies under the organization's agreement on trade-related intellectual property rights known as TRIPS due to the exceptional circumstances created by the pandemic and the need to like quickly roll out vaccination worldwide and, and not just have uh, certain countries left left behind like far 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 behind their uh you know wealthier counterparts the idea was immediately opposed by the united states the european union britain norway switzerland japan canada australia and brazil like a hundred other countries favored it but these powerful countries are going to you know rule the roost when it comes to this kind of thing with the argument that they're the ones putting in the legwork uh the whole, you know, Trenton makes the world takes argument. So the the Moderna vaccine received two point five billion dollars of taxpayer money. We paid Fucking for Christ. we paid for the vaccine. Oh man, that's all of their costs in development, research and development mm-hmm. were covered with the first billion dollars. Uh huh. <laughs> Sorry, just. Numbers are astro-fucking-nomical sometimes. It blows my mind. And that's just for the Moderna. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that they, um, you know, that's their intellectual property. That's their patent. They own it. They own the means of production. And they are solely responsible for the production. And you cannot transfer that production uh, without revealing proprietary rights and secrets right which 
that ain't going to be happening. Which you can't, which you can't do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be just as fast as Moderna can make it. And also you're going to pay for it again coming mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Moderna has already made a profit and they expect to make a huge profit. Right. Because even though taxpayer dollars and Dolly Parton, who donated $1 million to uh, uh, Vanderbilt uh, for uh, re- research purposes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's kind of a fun little story that ended up happening because she's friends with, with Jad Abumrad, blah, Jad blah, blah, blah. And she father, is also be- who is a doctor. Because she should also be in 1A because of her age, she yeah. has turned down early access to the vaccine oh because she doesn't want the bad appearances. Look, Dolly Parton is a good yet kind of troubled character whenever we get into almost any conversation about Dolly Parton. She's you fucking know, great. Don't get know, me wrong. She turned but, down the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah. Um, you know, the kind of thing that uh, Trump gave Rush Limbaugh because he's an equal, like, decent humanitarian uh, person. Okay, I can't wait for him to, um, to Dolly Parton. But don't say it, dude. That's, uh, let's not. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, um, she, she turned it down. Um, I think she's turned it down like under two different presidents. I heard it was more than once. (laughs) And, (laughs) and she's been, uh, I guess offered it again. I don't need no damn medal. I'm already free. (laughs) I imagine is a She was kind of like, I don't know if I should take it because it would seem partisan if I took it now. And like, that's her big thing is she wants to appear like completely neutral. Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, no, bless her heart. um, Dolly Parton, don't get me wrong, uh, a great figure and everything, but also there's plenty of podcasts out there to kind of explore her history and and contextualize her uh, industry that, that she's like heading up with different things. See, the thing about Dolly Parton is though. She's she's a very complicated character and I I love that. She's been working in the country music uh, industry since the fucking 60s and she's and she, been she's been working in the thrill ride and amusement park scene uh yeah. for a few decades too that's about the same you could use the same descriptors there i you just know? don't know if dolly needs to come out and say fuck trump when she can come out and say fuck racism and fuck homophobia yeah um sure you know i stay i stand with my gay fans that's you know what that's uh i specificity is the soul of narrative and I think that that does count for something, for yeah. sure. She would never say the F word, but... Oh, heavens no. She doesn't, she doesn't like racism and homophobia. Right. So Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, we were talking... Uh, so Pfizer's had its cost... I'm sorry. Uh, Moderna's had its cost completely covered and uh, for research development and distribution at this point. And they're still, of course, charging like $37 a dose for the mm-hmm. vaccine, which is actually pretty reasonable to us. That's entirely reasonable. Uh, but they're we're paying for it twice. Like, make no mistake. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pfizer has received a $455 million grant from the German government to develop its vaccine. And nearly $6 billion in purchase commitments from the United States and European Union. Mm-hmm. AstraZeneca benefited from some public funding while it was developing its vaccine, received more than $2 billion from the United States and European Union for mm-hmm. research and purchase commitments. Uh, it also signed a deal worth $750 million to supply the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, the vaccine, Gavi the Vaccine Alliance, with a total of uh, $300 million doses. These vaccines should be the people's vaccines. We financed 
the development of these vaccines. Yeah. And we are in a global pandemic. We missed a huge opportunity here to to share research, colla- collaborate globally. No, we were definitely seeing a lot of that isolationism come out of the the that last year of the Trump administration this pandi- when this, this pandemic, pandemic hit. It, came, yeah. it just came at the worst fucking time, it seems like. Yeah. Hey everybody, Joe here, dropping in with your station break. I just want to take a moment to say thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to KVSR, Black Sparrow, Digital Radio. Uh, you know how we roll Black Sparrow Digital Radio is fully independent. We have a Patreon community that helps us keep everything going here. Uh, some great people like Sarah Fisher. Hey, thanks, Sarah. Uh, Mitch and Lisa Drummond. Hey, good to see you guys. Uh, of course, we've got J.D. Gins. We've got Dan Picard. We've got, oh, hey, Trevor Wren. Hey, that's a fun one. Yeah, everybody joins on and, and helps contribute to this uh, community kind of radio thing that we're doing here. And we really appreciate it, you know. And we uh, do our piece here on Radio Gripe, uh, which is wholly ours. It doesn't reflect anything else on KBSR or the other shows or anything like that. Uh, there are some really good shows, but uh, don't get it twisted. This one's ours. Uh, so yeah, you can get up on that Patreon too. You can go to BlackSparrowMusicParlor.com and look for the Patreon link there. Uh, you can also stream the radio live from there. Uh, tons and tons of shows and different content. Um, I'm seeing a, a big empty pocket on like the, the late night slots, and I'm thinking about making a, a new show or two to maybe put on in the middle of the night. Who knows? We'll see what happens there. And let us know if you want to see that. We've got an email you can get at us with. It's uh, show at gmail.com. Of course, on Instagram at RadioGripeTX. And uh, yeah, reach out. Let us know what's up. Uh, also, I need to say thanks, big ups, to Trev Wren and the Mental State Fair for letting us use their song Dying in Texas for our theme song. And of course, a uh, big, big thanks uh, to Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic. Uh, really love being able to have this stuff on and uh, thanks to Hoofless out of Salt Lake City. If uh, you're hearing this and you got a musical enterprise that you'd uh, like to share with us and, and have us use on the show uh, yeah, just reach out those emails or that Instagram like I say. Alright, well, that's about all I got to say this week. Uh, thanks for listening everybody. Yes, please.
So that's a nice kind of like broader look at uh, some of the mechanics behind it. But insofar as like how it's playing out also, uh, you know, out in the streets, um, it's also kind of fraught with problems. Um, I came across something recently. Georgia's uh, Department of Health, the DPH, raided a clinic in Elberton, a small town in a rural area, and confiscated all of their Pfizer vaccines, somewhere around like 470 doses. So their reasoning is that the clinic was going outside the guidelines for phase 1A of the rollout. They were vaccinating teachers. Which should 100% be part of As of, like, as recently as December, the the state of Georgia had listed uh, teachers as essential personnel, right? But this has been happening in January. Just a couple days ago, this medical center was, was raided and all of these doses were confiscated. So one of the doctors at this clinic said that they, f- they felt that with the state's guidance, the teachers are part of the essential workers group. And as soon as they were able to make that move, they did. So on January 26, DPH called the clinic and asked if they had vaccinated teachers. And at the time, they thought this was the procedure. And they said, yeah, we are. In less than 48 hours, the state handed down a ruling that their vaccine status was suspended. Some people from DPH showed up and started demanding their doses and tried to get the med center's office manager to they tried to get the med center's uh, office manager to sign off on a form saying that the center was voluntarily allowing this party to remove doses from cold storage and uh, Brooke McDowell, the office manager, was refusing. And uh, this story started breaking and somebody at the local paper heard about it and, and went down to the med center and was trying to ask questions and document everything. They said that, you know, people were crying and pleading, uh, you know, to, to not take this away. The the staff was like, you can't do this. You, each you know. one of these doses is potentially a human life saved. Mm-hmm. Each each dose taken away is right. a death. So they apparently they worked it out to where anybody that had received a first round at the clinic would go ahead and be guaranteed their second round. But they took everything else and did not allow them to begin any vaccination procedures at this at this place so yeah and and brooke mcdowell was like refusing to sign this form you know saying like yeah we're gonna we're gonna voluntarily hand these over and that uh editor or publisher at the local paper by the they had to go back and like start putting this together to put it out and in that time they had heard that the people had already confiscated the doses and, and left a little piece of this so there's around three thousand kids enrolled in school in this district and many don't have internet access, so remote learning is not an option at all. Right. County schools are open. 22 different states have teachers eligible for first-round vaccinations, and Georgia is not on that list. This community is confused and saddened by this move from DPH, with many citizens agreeing that teachers need to be vaccinated. And this medical center invested seven grand out of pocket for the super cold storage to house the doses Fuck. because they're trying to be part of the solution. Uh, there's a quote from one of the doctors that they talked to here. He says, we were humble. We weren't expecting a pat on the back. We thought this was part of the plan. And it's fucking ridiculous to me. And the Ooh. story, the story that I read was, was pretty detail oriented in so far as some of the, some of the people playing here and like how, how emotions are really running high in this community. And you have, you have senior citizens 
who are supposed to be part of the first round and the state saying only seniors, only senior citizens. This clinic says, okay, we've completed a good portion of that. And, you know, we have an idea of how many doses we have versus how many people are in the queue. So we're going to go ahead and move forward. We don't want these doses just sitting around. We want to move forward. And seeing as how we have teachers that have to work and we have these schools, (laughs) which are a very large vector, like, let's just go ahead and get started and get the ball rolling. And the state immediately steps in and says, no, you can't do that. And they take them all away and redistribute them around different player, different areas in the county. And uh, like everybody's confused as hell. There, there are some citizen seniors that are um, saying, I would gladly give up my doses for teachers. I can stay home. I can stay home and not worry about it. They don't have a choice, you know? Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, I no, I can't stay home, but uh, no. Well, I mean, it. you you understand and you agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely fucking ridiculous. So, and, you know, the state of Georgia doesn't really have much to say about this other than, well, you know, they violated the protocols of the rollout. We have to have a really, you know, consistent uh, and everybody on the same page rollout, which kind of makes sense. But you need to have a little bit of fucking faith in the people that are doing the job. Yes. And so, yeah, there's been different approaches taken to uh, the vaccine rollout, like from the start. I mean, and yeah, we were seeing a lot of like wealthy, influential people who weren't, who should not have qualified for the high risk groups, mm-hmm. like getting the fucking vaccine, of course. Yeah, people, people finding weird workarounds and everything else. But yeah. there's, Cuomo came out and said, was it, was it Cuomo or... Um, the mayor de Blasio, I think it was Cuomo came out and said anybody caught administering a dose to somebody who does not uh, fully fit the criteria Mm -hmm. for receiving the dose is going to be penalized heavily. And that clinic's going to be shut down. And it's this whole thing. You know, the truth is rando ass people have been getting the vaccine all along because at the end of the day, if you've pulled vaccines out of cold storage, you're going to try to vaccinate anybody nearby. Mm-hmm. You know, people that haven't made their appointments or, you know, whatever, you're, you're going to not want to waste those vaccines. You're going to want to get just as many people vaccinated as possible and not try to be stingy with it and do this really, like, concise, you know, only these people, you know, kind of thing. You're, it's just a numbers game. Like, yeah. get jab as many people as you fucking can. I mean, that was basically what these people are saying that the state handed down to them. They're like, you know, here's the plan for how it works out. But also know that there's only so many doses coming your way, you know, so you have to make everyone count. Uh, and so this clinic was trying to do that. And they're like, we're going to move to the very next thing, which are going to be teachers, which are very much at risk and 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 yeah. need to be included in this so that our economy can continue and everything else like that, you know. Um, not that teachers are necessarily part of the economy, but no, that, they, that, that idea they of... They 100% are. Everyday, every, everyday operations of a nation and things that have to happen. Schools need to reopen, and the way that that happens, according to the teachers' union, and I fully understand where they're coming from, mm-hmm. is that you have your, your, your adults that are working with children, you have them vaccinated. Right. The kids are not going to receive the vaccine. They're under 16. Parents need to not be in charge of their kids all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, those kids need to go to, to school. They need to go to daycare. They need to, you know. Yeah. It's, it's. 
apparently crucial for the kids' development, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. That but, they be, like, socializing in some way. Well, I don't so, know, I was a weird kid. It didn't really do much for me, but... Yeah, that, that could be a whole other episode. <laughs> uh, to move forward, I know that a moment ago that I said, uh, maybe we need to, like, put some trust in the people doing the jobs. Yeah. Right, well, in Missouri, though, one Patricia, Trisha Ashton Durgis, hell of a name there, uh, who operates three Ozark Valley Medical Clinic locations, was selling a stem cell treatment for COVID, uh, except not. So the University of Utah sold her just a bunch of amniotic fluid af- uh, allograft, amniotic fluid allograft, which is basically nothing, for $244 a milliliter. So not nothing is expensive. She charged her patients anywhere from $950 to $1,450 per milliliter for this stuff, and authorities say that Durgis was aware that this fluid contained no cells at all, let alone stem cells. In total... <laughs> so it's homeopathy, though. Yeah. In total, <laughs> she brought in 191815 motherfucking dollars for these fake treatments that her clinics were putting out as basically stem cell treatment and, like, an item that could potentially lead to the entire cure for COVID and everything else and was charging people out the fucking ass for him. So Durgis, a Republican, I need to mention that she's a Republican because she's also a recently elected uh, state official. Oh, okay. She ran unopposed, as you might imagine. Uh, She's pled not guilty. The pizza's here and the dog is going apeshit. So she's an assistant physician, and that's why she holds this position, uh, you know, uh, managing these places. But uh, the U of U states that there are very clear usage instructions included, and those they're probably more clear than her own fucking credentials because they are all over the place. Here's the thing. There are eight wire fraud charges and two charges of lying to investigators coming from this story. Uh, also, 10 counts of prescribing medications to people she was not directly treating. I mean, she's That's a, a different story. She's a snake oil peddler, though, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Not, uh, not the only one during this pandemic, too. Yeah. And so, Might I mean, well it's like 20s. statistically, it's not too likely that she's actually innocent of stuff. Um, she has no plans to step away from work while this plays out in court. Cool. That kind of sounds like the line that you see at the end of a movie whenever they're like <laughs> showing a showing a still shot of somebody and they're like, you know, Joey moved to Omaha where he works on model trains or something. Uh, and yeah, they just put her picture up. She has no plans to step away from work while this plays out in court. <laughs> so, yeah, you you were all like, oh, it's oh, Trump's out of office. We might not have stuff to talk about. There's still plenty of fucking assholes out there. Yeah, it was just a thought exercise. Yeah. There, as long as there's a uh, some money and notoriety notoriety to be gained from, mm-hmm. you know, just fucking lying. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's good. It is hard to know who to trust, though. It's so hard to know who to trust. Not, what's her name? What Taylor Green? Okay, yeah, so that was another thing. Speaking of Marjorie Taylor Green, yeah, uh, which everyone's been doing, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. She, uh, she was gonna be the first. You know, QAnon, op- openly QAnon candidate elected to Congress during all this whole shit. Right, right. Um, she's been making her colleagues 
at least at least her her Democrat and probably some Republican colleagues uh, who probably don't want to go on record about it. Nervous. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that uh, Representative Cory Bush has moved her office away from Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, in in the building. Yeah. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has a habit of wandering through the hallways. Uh, sort of maskless and yelling into her, shouting about her gun, yelling into her cell phone to her, you know, Twitter audience. I think she's been deplatformed. Yeah, she's been getting a lot of oxygen in the press. Uh, don't think that's a great idea. I think you have to report on these people in a specific way. Not, yeah. not do what we did with Trump all over again in the press. Yeah, and don't, don't just say like. What do you have to say to this? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 just open up the fucking door for these maniacs. Somehow, after she becomes elected, is when the press starts to focus in on her a little bit more. She's got a big platform because of her, you know, bonkers viewpoints. Obviously, she does uh, sure. believe that uh, Q is a, a, like a real person who has Q clearance, who's very mm-hmm. close to the president mm-hmm. uh, and is, uh, you know, pulling down the veil to let us all know about this global uh, cabal of, of satanic pedophiles that feed on children's blood Man, what and a, stay youthful forever. What a fun world it would actually be if that was what the world was, right? She has come out and said fairly recently that she believes the 2018 uh, California wildfires were started by uh, Jewish-controlled space lasers. Oh, God. You know, like it's, it's the Rothschilds <laughs> and the uh, harassing David Hogg, uh, the survivor of the Parkland, Parkland. shooting, uh, mass shooting that yeah. went on to become... Uh, an activist trying to prevent such shootings from happening. I have a concealed carry permit. I carry a gun with for, for protection to try to take away my Second Amendment rights. You don't have anything to say for yourself? Candy. And how did you get kids? Why do you use kids? Why kids? You know, if school, if school zones were protected by with security guards with guns, there would be no mass shootings at school. He has nothing to say because there really isn't anything to say, you guys. Guess what? I'm a gun owner. I'm an American citizen. And I have nothing but this guy with his George Soros funding and his major liberal funding has got everything. And he's a coward. She's harassed him, I guess, at least twice uh, while while he's in D.C. uh, trying to do his activism. And uh, the first time was only months after the shooting incident she's just like following him down the street yelling at him and also Mm. saying you know i have a gun on me right now and it's like if you're really trying to uh trigger a teenager who's just been through a horrific experience and is trying to make uh, a positive impact in the world this is a great way to do it man that's that's the last thing you want to hear about a person who like holds elected office is Um, that they're yeah. Fucking following a teenager down the street, harassing them, and he just gi- he's cool as shit. He just keeps walking. He doesn't like fucking engage threats. with her, and that's yeah. when she like stops and calls him a coward. Yeah. He's a coward. You can't defend your your position. Which actually, when she was first shouting at him, um, you can't defend your position. It, initially, for some weird reason, I thought she was like, "Why didn't you?" I have the higher ground. I like. <laughs> I know that she's asking him to defend his. Uh, position on guns. Yeah. Uh, 
for a second I thought she was demanding that he defend she's like you don't know how to defend your position like he should have had a gun at the shooting right. incident and like defended his position with a gun like physically I don't know yeah. it sounds weird but that's where my mind went when she was first screaming at him I think the reason she was able to harass David Hogg so easily is because it's also come out that she does not believe that the Parkland shooting and the uh, Sandy Hook. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Parkland shooting, the Sandy Hook shooting, the Stoneman Douglas, the Stoneman Douglas shooting. She's a false flagger. Yeah, she believes they're false flag operations, and she has posted to Facebook like. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi tells Hillary Clinton to arrange, like, once a month to arrange another school shooting so that public sentiment uh, uh, for gun control will be high. Yeah, I mean, she's just, like, not tethered to reality at all. Right. We, we've come across this uh, in on the show in the last couple of weeks and in personal conversations. Um with where the world is now, <laughs> the thing that we really don't want to see is complacency return. Like people thinking that uh, like, oh, well, the the clown's out of office. Uh, oh, finally, everything's right. going to be back to normal. Yeah, and, we like, can't the, the idea that simply because there's a fucking Democrat in office does not mean that things are going to be back to normal. Yeah. A, this is the 21st century, even, even without the pandemic and QAnon and everything else, we're about to fucking put spaceships on mars <laughs> like that's a thing mm-hmm. like the the world is ever changing and the idea of it going back to some kind of grand fucking moment or something else that you were used to is is just not feasible because this is the world and this is how it moves and with black lives matter coming up and and the limelight being shown on white supremacy and hegemony within our our nation here that's something that's not going to we can't go back to normal calls calls for unity are are far too soon we are not ready to be unified we have some shit we have to work out and calls for going back to normal are not something that's ever going to be heated because the idea of normal is itself ever changing i think that we need to embrace right now that this is a time of change like it or not being involved in it or not things are changing things are gonna fucking change And trying to change things back to normal is not going to get anybody anywhere.
I will say this. Hundreds of thousands, if not more, people took to the streets over over this last year in support of racial equality and justice. Once you have done that one time, if you've if you've participated in protests in any way, it's way harder to go back to ignoring the yeah. world around you. It's like once and, the... or, or feeling like uh, it's not your place or you don't have uh, any recourse because like tons of people became empowered. It's like, like having empowered uh, the scales removed from your eyes. A lot of white people got woke and a lot of black people, especially young ones, protested for the first time and like found their voices got loud and yeah. got loud. And that's not going to just go away. Like no. people don't. Once people feel empowered, they like, stay feeling empowered. It's like, guess what? That's the new normal mm-hmm. is is coming to terms with what we've done and how to move forward. Like, yeah. that's the new normal. You know what I mean? Which is, is going to be a, a long, complicated process. Speaking of that point, uh, to, to an effect, um, there is a lot of talk coming up around Biden and his administration because... You know, during his campaign, uh, he had brought up transferring credit ratings from the big three, uh, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, to a public registry under the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So kind of taking the power out of, you know, the corporate hands to determine credit ratings and, yeah, and credit be, worthiness of everybody. That interesting. And so, so far, they've put... A new person in charge of it. They they took the Trump appointee out and put in somebody else um, who is kind of leaning that direction too. And nothing specifically has been said about it, but the the talking points that they're getting to are coming from uh, a paper that was done in 2019 by a think tank uh, demos. They published a paper. The main takeaway was that uh, this is a quote from it. Decisions drawing on credit data reproduce and spread existing racial inequity. Mm-hmm. So we know a little bit about how like credit ratings and credit scores work. And we know that because there's these three different companies that don't really talk to themselves. And there's absolutely no fucking transparency in how they come to their data. It means that you can have different credit scores from the three different agencies. And you have to address each one. And you have to go through all these hoops. And it becomes a major thing. And when you have things like, like we have a mortgage Mm -hmm. that's actually good for our credit. Once we pay off that mortgage that could reduce our credit score because that is no longer a debt that we have. It is something we've done. And suddenly we are now suspect that we might not be credit worthy, even though we just paid off a loan. Like that's how credit scores work. There's no fucking sense to it. It's it's set. It's set by this invisible hand of the fucking market or whatever. Yeah, we went through this <clears throat> when we were fixing to buy a house and realized that neither one of us had credit because uh, we've paid for cash for everything our entire fucking lives. Most of it, yeah. We've, yeah. we've stayed away from credit cards and, and loans and things like that. Actually, I did get a pretty sizable loan and I defaulted on it. Uh, amazingly, that did not hinder this. That was my college loan and it did not hinder this process. Well... Hey, here's the thing. You're not out for student loan forgiveness. You're out for student loan revenge. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
The company I work for does not require a college education, and if it did, it wouldn't be of the arts variety. (laughs) (laughs) Death is a fine art. I don't know what to tell you there. You know what? Let me go ahead and tell you. Murder. Murder is a fine art. Well... I like, I like the way that I said it better because that plays into my last thing that I have, which is a nice little piece of good news or fun news. Uh, there's a company out of Seattle that is getting off the ground and they have officially turned their first person into compost. Oh. There, there's a company called Recompose and this was born out of uh, 2011 with, uh, I forget her name, my pen actually ran out of ink at this point in taking notes. <laughs> But um, I think that we both read about her in one of those Mary Roach books. Yeah, uh, it's been stuff. going for yeah. a minute. 2011, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this person's been talking about, you know, rethinking how how we handle uh, death care. Why would it take... Why would it take 10 entire years to figure out how to compost a dead body when actually it happens pretty fucking naturally? I don't think that it's about figuring it out. I think it's about... Uh, like kind of prudish opposition. The idea is that, you know, no, we want to have our bodies embalmed and put in caskets or cremated or whatever. And that kind of, of that, that aversion to uh, holistic and natural stuff, you know, people, people have their traditions, I think is what it is. And the idea of uh, like at first glance, the idea of turning your, your dear and beloved, you know, parent that passed away, into compost to put in your yard well maybe don't you know frame, what I mean? maybe that's, don't frame it like that maybe exactly, instead be that's, like <laughs> that's your the thing. dear it's departed very, loved one can grow a tree and you can it's come very it's very easily portrayed like that but even in the face of that uh just recently recompose was able to finally open their first facility and start uh processing clients and so they they put them in this uh, large hexagonal like still tube. They mix in wood chips and uh, various compounds like nitrogen and everything else to make sure that there's a good composting process. And it takes uh, 30 days or so. Uh, and there's occasional stirring by a, a, a dough hook wow. type item. Jesus. And you're able to now turn a body into a fair amount of compost which can be shipped to, uh, you know, the departed's uh, family so they can use it to put in their garden or whatever else. Or it can be See, just donated back into the world of agriculture, uh-huh. which is, needs fucking nutrition right now. This is interesting because you frame this story as like a fun palate cleanser story, but you're still talking about death. No, this is good. Death, Look, this is the thing. And is you're that- making me feel like compost right now oh <laughs> jen it is important to Wait, recognize no which is good which is good e- ecological death care is is a booming industry and it's important to go ahead and give that credence and i think that we all need to go ahead and embrace the fact that we don't need to spend multitudes of money on on pomp and bullshit whenever we die and even even uh what's it cremation whenever you're doing that you're literally wasting the body. You're spending energy to waste any kind of material that you might have, which is a resource. Um, I, I think that it's time for yeah, and you're for, putting you're putting carbon out. Yeah, I think that it's really time for some pragmatic shit like this to to go down. Uh, I heard that it's it's around five thousand dollars to to do this, which is probably cheaper than a lot of fu- funerals. 
So I or, bet, or on the order of, you know. Did you say five thousand? Five thousand. Yeah, that's still kind of a lot, but yeah, it's, it's still a lot kind better. of a lot. But I mean, <clears throat> there's there's already two other companies. Uh, this is happening in the state of Washington. There's already a couple other companies that are trying to get off the ground and getting their own operations going, and people from Recompose are saying we are happy to see it. Our mission here is not to make money. You know, our mission here is to try to reduce the fucking carbon footprint of the planet. And so if more people are going to get into this industry and look into this technology and try to make it a more viable uh, option to people, that is only for the best. Yeah, 100%. Like up until now, uh, you know, I put a little thought into it. Um, I don't want anyone to have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for my funeral, burial, uh, you know, like this whole big casket. Right, right. You know. The last dress you'll ever wear or fucking whatever. I know. Yeah. And, you know, my, my grandma, she used to be a beautician at a uh, funeral home. Nice. That was that was her kind of one job, the one she talked about the most because she saw a lot of ghosts there. Oh, sure. Of course. Um, but yeah, my my plan was just to go to uh, Leakin Park in Baltimore and just like die in the woods uh, because there's so many bodies there. That, uh, <laughs> sure. I just it would be like that kids in the hall thing where he's like, I was born in this house and I'm gonna <laughs> die in this house. But like that's me in in uh, the Leakin Park woods, yeah. just like I'm gonna die in these woods and no one will ever have to pay to. God damn, bury me. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, no man. one will find my body. And people can come here and just pay tribute. Yeah. Well, I've said for years, uh, partly after reading uh, Stiff by Mary Roach, um, yeah, that I was willing to donate my body to science. And really my thought was, put me on one of them corpse farms that you got out in Tennessee where you just... Riddle throw, the bodies. Just throw my body out in a field. Maybe kind of, maybe kind of, maybe kind of throw throw a tarp munitions. over me or something, uh, or cut me up into pieces and and use me for cosmetics and crash test dummy purposes or fucking now, I don't care. You and like, I are both on the organ donor registry list, correct? I believe so. Yeah, but very often, if you live a long full life, they cannot harvest those organs. There's, they're no good. Uh, or if you live a if you live a hard life. As we do. Temp- tempted by vice. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. No, that's a great story. Thanks. Um, and at that point, I'm going to say that our pizza's here. Uh, we've been... It's bull- long been here. It's in the oven. We've been bullshitting for over an hour now. And uh, you've been listening for over an hour now. And uh, thanks. Thanks to Trevor and of the Mental State Fair, obviously, for giving us our uh, use, use to the theme song, Dying in Texas, and uh, our, our buddy Alex over to Spectrostatic and Hoofless and anybody else that we might be neglecting to mention, and all of you for listening. Uh, it's been fun. We're going to go eat some pizza, and you should too. Good everyone. See you.